So, are you DTFF? Once again, here is Drinking and Talking Fantasy Football with your hosts, Dustin Lunt and Jake Trowbridge. Welcome back to another episode of the Drinking and Talking Fantasy Football Podcast. Good evening, everyone. I hope your Tuesday night is turning out as good as mine. And why is my Tuesday so good, do you ask? It's because we have a very special guest with us this evening. Coming back to talk rookies again with us is Zach. Good evening, sir. How are you doing? Dustin, Jake, I am fantastic. I I think it could be summed up with woo every time. Isn't it a delightful way to start off your Tuesday evening and or Wednesday morning if you're listening later? (laughs) Absolutely love it. And and it's great to be back. I had a lot of fun the last time I was on. It's been too long since I've been on, but it it was a lot of fun. And I'm looking forward to to chopping it up with you guys again. Zach Reed, you were too good last time Mm -hmm. you were on. We decided we had to put a time frame limitation in between we're like look it's gonna have to be a year the people can't handle it it's too much it's too good to be too soon so you know if you do a worse job tonight you might get invited back on sooner. <laughs> i'll see what i can do <laughs> oh and then of course i've got uh my co-host with the most jake trowbridge jake how are you doing this evening hey yo i'm doing good dustin how are you doing oh i'm doing terrific like i said talking fantasy football what what more do you like to do on a tuesday night there's nothing better uh oh, almost nothing that's add right. on some dessert maybe to the mix you know like an oreo pie or something huh? Huh? Hmm? i'm just hoping the missus is listening downstairs <laughs> there's one magically on the table when you get put oh down. that would be great uh but yeah we've got a great episode we are kind of taking a a snapshot here of where we're at uh, approximately a quarter of the way through the season here it's tough to say now with that added week on it's not a nice easy quarter anymore thanks nfl uh for giving us extra football Jeez. uh but yeah we're, we're gonna take a little snapshot here of, of where we're at with the rookies uh kind of talking about have they been meeting our expectations beating our expectations who do we see coming on later in the season here who are some sneaky buys uh, so all that good stuff here um but before we get into it you know of course we've got our normal little house cleaning duties here so um First thing is our beer of the week, Jake. Um, we've got a nice little local brewery, limited release, Capital Brewery, a dark Doppelbach. Yeah, you went you went with the change in seasons mm-hmm. for this this week's beer. It's I finally cooled down here in Wisconsin, so it, it feels fall, finally. So I figured get a fall beer. Fall for three days and then extreme winter for eight months, I think, is what's on the horizon mm-hmm. for us here. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> but why not? So you- I appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate the mood. Instead of going with like a sour mm-hmm. or something that's very summery, uh, mm-hmm. I-, I like your investment. In this oh, thank here. you. Thank you. Uh, Zach, do you have a tea or, or, or something fun you're, you're drinking this evening? Uh, I know I'm- you're going to be carrying the show here with all the talking, so I figure you should have something to wet your whistle with. I'm just I'm just rolling with the Poland Spring. I'm up up in Maine. We just we just had the change over too. We went from last week it was about 80, and this week it was like 45. And I was like, all right, the furnace is on. 
So I've been holding out. Mm-hmm. I haven't kicked on the heat just yet. Uh, it, it's a it's, it's a war. It's a battle with myself. You know how long I can last? It's going to happen soon here in Wisconsin. Very soon. Oh yeah. All right. So and then uh, Jake, um, I hate to do this. I, I know you love Divio? it, but I I hate it. Um, we we did have a bet on last week's game that unfortunately I lost again. Uh, this is three weeks in a row now. I, I think I've lost uh, something like that. Something Who like can that. Keep track. Uh, I'm sure you are. Uh, so our, <laughs> our bet this last week was Lamar Jackson versus Justin Herbert head to head total fantasy points, and you know, like we were saying before we got on Jake. Neither of us really won this bet uh, because both quarterbacks did so terrible. Uh, but you you did end up winning. Lamar Jackson had uh, just under 14 points and Herbert had 12 points. So uh, unfortunately, I, I take another L there in the column and begrudgingly have to tell you, you are an amazing fantasy football prognosticator slash genius. Thank There's you, sir. You. I, I appreciate you uh, and, and your stick-to-itiveness, I think, is a word that's real that I didn't just make up. In keeping with these bets every week, we're going to, at some point, the, the streak is going to break, and I have a, fa- a feeling it's going to fall heavily on me, and I'm going to get steamrolled for a few weeks. Well, so Jake, I'm just enjoying it while I can. It, it, it's going to be just like your team in our home league here. You're starting off poor, but you're finally going to turn it around and, and go on a run. So that that's how I'm feeling on this end. That's fair. You, you had to work in a home league reference, didn't you? Just well, of course. To really stick it to me here. It's the only my, thing I got uh, on you at this point. Record there. <laughs> but we'll try and come up with at least a better wager uh, for the end of this one, and hopefully mm-hmm. one that bears more fantasy fruit. At yeah, least. absolutely, absolutely. Now, do you want a quick here squeeze in our favorite segment before we get into the meat? Yeah, let's do it. Drunk, 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 A little bit of uh, a preamble here. This league was started in 1995 when they had to wait for the paper to come out to figure out who won. So this this league has some deep roots. Now, this trade happened way back in 2006. So try and put yourselves in that frame of mind. It's 2006. Uh, You know, Maroon 5 was still relevant. Um You know, Aerosmith, I think, was gasping for air still at that time. (laughs) Now, the context, both these people involved in the trade were hammered. Uh, The submitter traded Javon Walker, who you may or may not remember had a a nice little stint in Green Bay, Dustin, Mm -hmm. uh, for a couple of years before kind of moving around the league. He traded Javon Walker for Larry Fitzgerald. Guy says, I swear I never bring it up to the league, mate. (laughs) She said, outright lie so if you don't recall just to give you guys some context here because i you know i'll be honest i'm a green bay fan but i barely recalled javon walker he had a great 2004 season put up almost 1400 yards and 12 touchdowns with mr favre uh 
but this happened in 2006 when he had just gotten moved to Denver. So I want to ask both of you, do, do either of you recall Javon Walker and the things he did in this league? Barely. I, I recognized the name when I saw it, and I was like, oh, yeah, he was a Packer for a short while there. But that was about all I could remember. <laughs> I'll be honest. It, it, was a, it was a bright blaze across the sky. Like, I, I feel like he had a few years that he was really good, and then, boop, and, and that was it. Yep. You're, you're spot on. Let's, let's go to the year of the trade here, 2006. It was his only other fantasy-relevant season where you could actually, you know, count on him for real production. He had a 1,000-yard season, uh, eight touchdowns in his first year in Denver, Spent a couple years there, a couple years in Oakland, and then, as you said, he fizzled out of the night sky there. <laughs> I wanted to highlight this trade, not only because we're getting to the bottom of our submissions, by the way, listeners, uh, <laughs> so maybe get some more of those rolling in, but also, it's a good time to point out, if somebody has one really, really, really great season, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're a superstar for eternity. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald... Yes. <laughs> Superstar <laughs> for eternity. Javon Walker, not so much. We all know who won this trade. I'm not going to belabor mm -hmm. the point here, but just want to make that one last call. There's somebody who randomly shines through the night sky there. It doesn't mean you have to jump as high as you can to try and grab that star. That's all I'm saying. But it could work out. I mean, sure, sure. Not everybody's a Javon Walker. Not everybody's a Larry Fitzgerald. There's a lot of in-between. There's a lot of nuance here in fantasy football <laughs> that we we don't always talk to that I hope we get to talk about a little bit in the rest of the episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah, before we get into it, Jake, do you want to do a quick read from our, our sponsor here? I sure do. So this week's episode of DTFF is brought to you by Poor Richard's Farm, 100% grass-fed beef sticks right here in Wisconsin, up the road in Janesville. They do the all-natural ingredients. They don't use supplemental hormones or antibiotics. Most importantly, they taste freaking delicious. Dustin, I know you just placed another order for mm -hmm. these uh, over the weekend because, god damn, they're good. They use real hardwood chips. They come in a variety of flavors, including barbecue hickory, teriyaki maple, Tex-Mex mesquite, of course, the OG classic flavor as well. Uh, listeners, go on over. You get free shipping when you go to poorrichardsfarm.com and buy at least three packs of these. Trust me, you're going to need at least three. Mm -hmm. uh, you'll probably need like three a week, really, if I'm being honest here. They're that good. So go on over to poorrichardsfarm.com. Get yourself some beef sticks to go with your Sunday football. Yeah, thanks, Jake. Definitely check them out. They're worth its weight in gold. They're that good. All right, so let's get into it here. I've been really excited about this. So um, how about we start with... The, the the flashy players here and, and when we when we talk about the anchors of your team your quarterbacks these are your franchise players so so let's start with the quarterbacks here we had five quarterbacks go in the first round this last year in the draft which is insane um i don't know if we'll see something like that again for quite some time i mean i'm no uh debbie uh college uh person by any stretch of the imagination but that just seems like it was a very special year as far as uh quarterbacks uh so you had trevor lawrence zach wilson trey lance justin fields and mac jones all picked in the first round and all starting or have started at at various points throughout the season here um 
So, Zach, uh, starting with the quarterbacks, um, what are your thoughts on kind of the whole crew there in the first round? So it's it's interesting to me to watch. So the NFL, even though we base our game on what goes on in the NFL and, and how the NFL approaches things, fantasy football is its own animal. And so fantasy football scoring and NFL scoring are different. And NFL players being picked in the first round don't necessarily correlate to uh, fantasy football players and, and where you should end up with them. That said, this was a special class. I mean, this this had some some serious, serious heat coming in. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence was billed as the next great superstar. Uh, he struggled so far. Mm -hmm. uh, he's thrown seven picks uh, in his first three games. And since then, he's kind of righted the ship. He's he's completed 66% of his throws. He's thrown 265 yards a game. He's only thrown one interception in the last three games. Perhaps the most promising sign, though, is it looks like Urban Meyer may be out of his depth and out of there soon, which would be fantastic. Here's hoping. For Lauren. And, and I'm, a, I'm a dynasty guy. And so I know I know you guys primarily focus redraft and, and, and season long. But, but to me, it's the fact that Trevor Lawrence has started to kind of acclimate to the NFL is great for redraft. The fact that he has done that and Urban Meyer looks like he may be a short stint is great for, for dynasty. And the other thing, and, and thinking in a fantasy football context, the, one of the things I loved about Trevor Lawrence coming out, and it's not something a lot of people talk about, is he is very mobile. Mm -hmm. he, he's probably the second best runner in this class coming out. Behind Justin, I mean, behind Trey Lance. Like, Justin Fields is great, but he runs like Dak Prescott. Trevor Lawrence is RPO, sneaky good runner. He'll take chunk runs. It's it's kind of, you, you Green Bay guys, it's kind of that Aaron Rodgers where it's not, he's not running as a primary weapon. But if you give him 30 yards, he's going to take it and, mm -hmm. and take it happily. And and so I really like, and I I feel dumb because I just traded Trevor Lawrence this past week in, in one of my dynasty leagues, but I had Russell Wilson get injured and no quarterbacks uh, to speak of available to start. And so I traded Lawrence to get Dak Prescott and, and try to make a push, but I'm, I'm going to regret that in the future. I think. I love what you said about the Aaron Rodgers comparison, not just because we love our guy, Aaron, which of course we do, but yeah, I think it's not, it's not you don't look at this guy and go like, yeah, he's going to take off and get you like 100 yards in the game because you're, you're not expecting that. That's absolutely right. But somebody who has that capacity, it, it probably makes things a lot easier for them, too, in general. I mean, not just good to get fantasy points, but good to help themselves out in those tough situations. Mm -hmm. Certainly. I mean, being mobile, being able to keep the defense honest. And, and we talk about this a lot when we talk about people running play action uh, because because a, a play action pass, even if you're not, not running the football with your running back, is positive expected value. It 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 makes the defense react to something. And the same thing is true for having that rushing ability. It's just one more thing the defense has to keep in mind. Just one more thing in your belt that that makes you that much more dangerous. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's been good to see. Well, one, he finally got that stink of losing off his back, you know, because he's been <laughs> such a loser throughout his career. Um, 
but also, you know, saying how you've seen improvement from him, it's been nice to see that, you know, with some of his weapons gone, you know, ETN drafted in the first round as well, um, who we may or may not talk about, uh, out for the season, you know, um, DJ Chark out for the season now, uh, you know, so you're relying on Chenault in his second year and then, mm-hmm. you know, 30 year old Marvin Jones, who we love on this podcast, don't get me wrong, but not exactly your alpha number one wide receiver. So, and they had no tight ends to speak of on their team. I know they traded for Dan Arnold, but he's not going to light the world on fire. So to see these improvements over the last few weeks, even though he's missing some of his most important weapons is really just a great sign. Like you said, he's getting comfortable with the NFL and and kind of the scheme of their offense and everything. So yeah, I really like that, um, that we've, we've seen that, that gradual improvement. Yeah. And, and, and you look at, again, you look at completion percent, you, his first three games were so rough and it's just like, Oh no. Like, not only is the game quicker, but Urban Meyer and, and Daryl Bevel with that offense is just abysmal. But they started to started to use James Robinson more. He started to check down to James Robinson a little bit more. They started to, even though Chenault didn't catch many balls last week, I think they, they schemed him 11 or 12 targets. Like they're, they're working slowly toward progress, which you, you like to see. Mm-hmm. Now, how about progress for another quarterback who's also in a terrible coaching situation with Justin Fields and Matt Nagy? There's that parallel, at least for these two young guys, where they're under an unfortunate rule right now with their quarter, or excuse me, with their coaching back, coaching situation, coaching back. Dear Lord. Uh, but Justin Fields, he's not made as significant of strides, I don't think. But what do you think for his outlook? with and maybe without Nagy there. Yeah, and and they've actually gone to uh, Laser calling the plays, which I think will end up benefiting. I mean, that was the same thing that happened uh, a couple years ago when when things were kind of abysmal for the Bears, and all of a sudden they changed offensive coordinators, and, and, and you know, David Montgomery got going, and, and I think you, you saw that a little bit. Aside from being owned by Aaron Rodgers, you know, he's, it feels is obviously struggling with that inept offensive line. Like you mentioned, a poorly prepared coaching staff. And he's also got his own limitations. Like, like let's not, let's not brush off the, the, you know, the, the, the field's struggles because his processing right now, his reading situations and his accuracy have all been poor. Uh, you know, you see him. He's got that escapability. He's a very good runner. Uh, I, I likened him earlier to Dak Prescott. But what he doesn't do that Dak does is understand when a play is lost and get rid of the ball, you know, out of bounds and and live to fight another day. You're seeing him take, you know, 8, 10, 12-yard sacks on plays where he should be mobile enough to avoid a defender, throw it out of bounds, and let's reset and go again. And he just has not done that. I still think he's going to be very good. I had him as my second uh, best quarterback in this class. But full disclosure, quarterback is really hard to evaluate, especially, you know, coming from college to the NFL. There are so many variables that go into it. It's just going to take a little bit to get him locked into a point where he's got a good enough offensive line that he feels comfortable. And also he's starting to process the game better and make better decisions. Uh, Although this week, 
I like like he's going to have to throw the ball this week. They're they're playing Tampa. Mm-hmm. It's it's they're just like a, a a run funnel where like nobody can run against them. So they are going to have to throw the ball. So so I'm I'm looking for a little bit of a get right week this week for Justin Fields. Interesting. Now, like hypothetically, if somebody were to be staring down the barrel of Justin Fields or, I don't know, a Taylor Heineke, for example, <laughs> is this the time where you'd make that move to let the rookie shine? I don't know. Those are two names I just pulled out of nowhere, of course. <laughs> oh, Jake. <laughs> I, I, I think it's going to be a good week. I, I think it's going to be a better week for Darnell Mooney maybe than for for Fields overall but I do think Fields has a has a pretty good week uh under center because he go, he's going to have to throw. I mean they they're going to mm-hmm. throw, you know, a, a ton and and so it's it's going to have to be this is not going to be the second Khalil Herbert week. I mean it just is not going to be 97 yards on the ground. Mhm. All right, let's talk at least one more quarterback here. Let's let's talk about the the preseason darling here of Zach Wilson here. I mean, he could do no wrong. I mean, he was looking like he was looking like the number one overall pick there, like he should have been. Uh, and and things have kind of crashed back down to earth here uh, with that Jets offense. So, um, how have things changed with with your thoughts on him? It's it's really funny because not much because I was not a Zach Wilson guy. He was my lowest graded of these five hmm. and and i can i can read you a little bit of my write-up i said although his style draws comparisons to mahomes and Favre, gunslinging gets wilson into a lot of trouble he got away with bad throws into traffic usually a couple a game but at the next level corners aren't going to drop those easy picks and the biggest knock i had aside from him swashbuckling into traffic is that wilson always seems to be a half beat off from his receiver's timing. The ball's there, it's catchable, but it's never quite in stride, and Wilson doesn't create very many opportunities for guys to create after the catch. And I think you're seeing both of those things come to fruition in early in his career. I mean, he's thrown nine interceptions in six games. He's going to struggle again this week. They got the Patriots, they got Belichick doing Belichick things with rookie mm-hmm. quarterbacks except for uh, against Houston, where obviously Davis Mills is the second coming of, of John Elway. So, like, you, you can't do Absolutely. anything to scheme. Yeah, you can't scheme against Davis Mills. But but, but I, I think that Zach Wilson is doing exactly what I saw him do at BYU, except at BYU, the defenses that he was playing weren't White is good is what he's seeing in the NFL. So he'd throw balls. It was a lot to me like watching Sam Darnold uh, at USC a few years ago because everybody loved Darnold. Everybody was like, oh, Darnold. And Darnold would make great throws. But the six throws in between the great throws were like, man, you just barely got out of the woods on that one. Like, you know, you, that should have been picked or that was a dumb play. And, and you just – you don't get away with those. The margin for error – the higher you go, gets so much smaller. Um, and that, that's, I, I don't think people understand quite how fast the game gets. So like I, I played baseball, not football. So like it's not a one-for-one one comparison, but I, I played baseball in high school. I played baseball in college. And then I played independent baseball. So the equivalent of like between single and double A. The speed at which the game changes 
from high school to college to to you know a professional level is just insane and then you take athletes in the NFL that are 250 pound guys that are running a 44 <laughs> you know a 45 and and it's like it's just unbelievable i mean you've got a second and a half two seconds to make a decision and if it's mm. not the right decision and you don't believe it's the right decision and take something up like you're in trouble Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I think you're seeing a lot of that with with Zach Wilson. Plus, he doesn't have very much around him. I mean, like, n- no offense to to Corey Davis and and that group of receivers, but it's it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard times <laughs> in the Jets stadium J- right Jets now. Jets are gonna jet, yeah. Jameson I do want to point out what you said, and I love, and and this is where I think myself and all the non-experts, you know, film guys get into trouble is because, you know, I don't watch film. That's not what I do. But I'll watch some highlight reels on YouTube, and boy, a guy like Zach Wilson really tends to stand out in a highlight reel because you're watching those crazy throws that he makes, and you're not seeing that happen on other highlight reels. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the that's the the trick is so when you're listening to people talk about film, anybody can watch film. There's 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 game clips everywhere. But if you're not sitting there, so so what I do, and it's not that my process is any better than anybody else's, but I've got a process that works for me, and this is what I do. So I will take between eight and twelve games, and I'll watch them, and I'll watch early in a career. And I'll watch progress to later in a career. So you get to see if they're making mistakes and then they clean them up. You get to see kind of that progression or not. But you also see games. So you're not just seeing the great plays. You're seeing the play where, you know, he hands the ball off to the running back. You're seeing the play where he drops back and he throws the ball into traffic and it gets dropped and and nothing happened. It was just an incomplete pass. But you're seeing that, and and you're seeing every play that a receiver catches the ball, but has to you know lean back and mm-hmm. break stride and stop. And so to me, it's important to, at, at least for my analysis, for for the way I'm looking at these guys, because I'm looking at it through a fantasy football context. I don't I, like I don't think that the NFL is a league where players grow very often. I don't. I think I think the and and when they do, they grow on their own. So it's the guys who all right, you know, maybe he was throwing off his back foot his freshman year, but then he then he cleaned that up, he quieted his his delivery and, and you know and shortened up his arm in his sophomore or his junior year. And you see that and you go, okay, so he identified a place where he was lacking and he worked to get better at that. And so to me, that's a guy who in the NFL is going to do a similar thing where there aren't coaches nagging you. There, there's not a lot of time to practice on things that you are are doing poorly because you're practicing preparation for the next team. Like it, it's it's not skill practice; it's strategy practice, and and that's what the NFL is. And so I think a lot of people get caught up in seeing players and hoping that they become that ceiling. And there aren't a lot of guys that do that without having shown a progression beforehand. Mm-hmm. Nice. D- DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf was a fantastic example because his freshman year, he had one release move off the, off the line, off press. One release move. That was it. He had a little stutter, and that was it. By the time he was drafted, he had four distinct release moves. 
So he had that little hesitation. He had one where he would step across his body and create space with his actual body on the defender. He had a hand fight and he had a really nice like swipe chop move where if a defender gets his hands on you, you come down and basically clean him out and go. And watching him progress like that, it's just like, man, this guy gets it. He's going to be good. And so those are things that, that you look for, that progression. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I love that. And as we get into the skill position players here, uh, for these rookies, I'd be very curious to see you know who that applies to, especially in this year's wide receiver class, because that's a, it's a good point of context. And I think when we talk about nuance in fantasy football, that's the stuff that gets left off the table sometimes. You see these guys at the combine and you just go, they have it. They don't have it. And you don't maybe take into account all of those growth moments you're talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So before we move on to running backs, um, I just want to I want a yes or no out of you, Zach. Davis Mills, real deal? Trade him. Trade him. He's looked great. But but if you if you got him, especially in a season long league and you've got somebody on the hook that wants him, uh, you know, this is a this is the bye week from hell. We got, mm-hmm. you know, everybody is, everybody is on by, you know, maybe that's a, maybe that's a, you can, you can work a deal. I don't know. Um, but I, I, I still, it's hard for me to believe that they're going to stay with Davis Mills. Mm-hmm. I agree. All right, let's move, let's move on to running backs then. Uh, so we had two first round running backs, uh, Najee Harris and Travis Etienne, which I think for a lot of people was a surprise. Uh, obviously Etienne, as I said, on IR. So we, we hold his rookie year until next year. We didn't, we didn't get to see anything. Uh, but Najee, uh, being the other first round running back, um, I think he's had his ups and downs to start the season and that offensive line there in Pittsburgh hasn't done him any favors or has Roethlisberger for that matter. Um, but have you liked what you've seen as was the hype for him coming into the season warranted? Absolutely. As advertised. And he's been a top five running back so far this year and, and all on his pass catching. I mean, they've, they've been running him into the defensive line because the defensive line is actually in the backfield. Pittsburgh's <laughs> offensive line just is like, ah, here you go. They're kind of like the turnstiles at Disney. You know, you you, you tap the <laughs> tap your magic band and then go after the the running back. But Harris has been fantastic. He's got forty six targets in six games. I mean, part of that is Sorry. because Ben Roethlisberger couldn't throw me five yards. You know, <laughs> but like he he's been fantastic, and he has had five or more in. Every game except his first game. Kind of love that. Yeah. And, and that was, I mean, that was exactly what we kind of expected from Harris coming out of Alabama, who is a, a great pass catcher, a, a very good running back. I had he, he and uh, Javante Williams as, as my one-two in this class. And, and love, love what he's given me. Mm-hmm. And that's interesting that you say, you know, that was the expectation for Harris and just – Because it's always curious with landing spot. And I think landing spot has an effect more on running backs than it does most other positions. And so a guy like Harris going over to Pittsburgh, and it's like, well, look at how crowded that receiver room is. You always hear the the too many mouths to feed argument (laughs) and all of that. Uh, and, And so I am curious to hear your thought like, you know, Juju's out now. So he has some time away from that main core, that main trio of receivers. Uh, James Washington presumably stepping into his role, but 
Do you think that that benefits somebody like Harris or was he benefited by how, how great the other receivers were? I, I think it's kind of a push. Um, receiving work is works differently than rushing work. So if Harris had been a backup running back, the running back in front of him gets hurt. Yeah. That's a big benefit to him with, with receptions. And it's, it's funny. I'm going on with Peter Howard uh, after this show and he is the, the vacated targets don't exist. (laughs) Players own their targets and, and good players get targeted. I mean, like that's, he's been beating that drum for five years now and and he got to a point where everyone listened and then a whole new wave of people came in and now we're back to like trying to disprove vacated targets again but like i i don't think that the the targets necessarily change much for harris especially since look he's seeing a ton of targets 46 in six games is a ton for a running back and he's catching the ball. I mean, he's just he's just been good. I expect him to continue to be good. I expect you to be able to continue to rely on him. It's not going to look great if you're in a standard league, not a PPR league. It's probably not great. But if you're in a PPR league, he's going to be fantastic because part of the way Pittsburgh can move the ball is through short passes. He gets that little chip, gives Ben Roethlisberger a little bit more time in the pocket, and then kind of squirts out into the flat, catches the ball, Gets a few more yards after catch, and that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It is yeah. beautiful. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, let's talk Javante Williams here for for a hot minute here. Melvin Gordon, I mean, I think we all expected there to be a 50-50 split, you know, with, with Melvin Gordon still in the picture. And he's flashed at times. He hasn't been great, let's be honest, but he's had some big plays, and he's still very involved with this offense. Uh, where Javante also has looked good in in his role, and I he's obviously the future uh, of the franchise here at the running backs there in Denver. Uh, but do you see? I think we all anticipated Javante really taking control of this backfield the longer the season went on here. Um, but at this point, I'm kind of second guessing myself, at least for me personally, that maybe Melvin Gordon is going to stick around and have a role through the end of this season, and then it'll really be Javante's backfield come next year. Yeah, and, and I think that was that was always the risk in redraft, drafting a running back who's already got an incumbent back, uh, who, who's good. Like, Melvin Gordon's not a bad running back. He's been good for his entire career. He's been better than people have given him credit for for his entire career. I mean, when, when he was in, it was San Diego at that point, not L.A., but when he was in, uh-huh. in, in San Diego with the Chargers, uh, you know, you had uh, Danny Woodhead, get hurt, all of a sudden Melvin Gordon assumed the mantle of the bell cow, was catching passes, which he never did at Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, I mean, it was just like the mind blow. Like, I always look for players to have 20 uh, or more receptions in at least one season in college as kind of a little check mark uh, in my process. Melvin Gordon didn't have that. And only 13% of players who go on to the NFL and have 30 or more more catches in a season, only 13% have never had a 20-catch season in college. So he was like bucking that trend big time, uh, partially by necessity, but also because he was pretty good at mm-hmm. it. And so like having Javante Williams come in and, and assume half of the workload in Denver is not 
don't take that as a knock on Javante Williams. But the nice thing that, that I really like about what his usage has been, and I think that it will continue to increase, is Javante Williams has been fantastic on third down. They bring him in. He's a tremendous blocker in the backfield, and he also is very good, uh, you know, making catches. Uh, I think he's got 18 targets. I think he's caught 93% of the passes thrown to him. So he's a very sure-handed guy. Um, people looked at the North Carolina backfield and got really excited about Michael Carter because he was that fast, splashy, you know. But, man, watching that, watching that team, if you watch third downs, Michael Carter wasn't in. They took Michael Carter out and brought Javante Williams in on third down because he is so good at that role. He's such a reliable blocker. And he's so good at getting out into the flat and, and taking those those dump offs. So look, I'll I'll be the first one to to say, yeah, it's not as exciting as we'd hoped. Uh, I, you know, I had Javante Williams and Najee Harris graded out exactly even at at one. Uh, you know, flip a coin and, and pick which one you wanted. But I also think that he's going to be good, and it's only a matter of time before he ends up taking that entire backfield whether it's the end of this year whether whether gordon gets nicked up or if it's if it's in the future and and you're going to have a real stud there so mm-hmm. he sounds like an ideal trade target in your yeah. dynasty leagues right now because you're not seeing the stats pile up for yeah. a guy like you are with Najee, and and so maybe maybe get on that uh, <laughs> i might have to start sending out some offers here yeah, I mean, he's averaging four and a half yards a carry, and I hate yards per carry as a stat, unless it fits your argument. And then you go <laughs> ahead and use it. Of course. I want to talk, actually, real quick here, just because his name has come up so much over the last couple of weeks in your redraft leagues. And as the running back position has been so icky, it's been so <laughs> gross. And it's getting grosser by the week because injuries keep piling up. And now, of course, with bye weeks. But Chuba Hubbard, uh, who, of course, went over to the Panthers. He's behind uh, a little guy named Christian McCaffrey that I think everybody is aware of. And so now with him getting some time to shine, uh, have you liked what you've seen out of him so far? And do you think that there is a long-term role for him? So... How, how how do we feel about the term zero RB on this program? I don't want to overstep boundaries. Some people, you know, all of a sudden the spears come out and you're like, oh, oh, no. So Chuba Hubbard may have been the single most obvious zero RB late round rookie pick in history. Like he he was one of the few players in the 21 class who had proven himself capable of a three-down workload. You knew he wasn't going to start because he was a later-round pick behind Christian McCaffrey, but he was a good pass catcher. And I always like to look at, I call it a pass catcher plus profile. So it's it's the guys who are probably being drafted to catch passes but have shown you before that they can do more. And he has absolutely that profile. I have him on every single team, including my Scott Fishbowl team. And nice. and have just been rolling him out. I mean, like that was it was it was beautiful. Like I don't understand how like you know the, the stars align and you're like, oh well that's that's the constellation. It's the big chuba. And <laughs> and 
and I don't I don't know how more people didn't see that one coming, especially like you don't you don't want to label a guy injury prone. And I don't believe that that's a thing. But McCaffrey, I do think that there are players who play through things and there are players who who don't. It was the old J.D. Drew. J.D. Drew used to always have to be 100 percent healthy when he was. He was incredible. I think McCaffrey is similar where he is going to get to a point where he is healthier before he comes back. I mean, they've all, obviously we got two more weeks of Hubbard anyway, uh, because McCaffrey went on IR and with a player like that, having that backup, I mean, you look at what, what Mike Davis did last year. Mm-hmm. So it, it was, right. it, it was very, very, very obvious to me, at least in the beginning of the year, Chuba was, was that guy. And, and if you got him, Awesome. He's not a player that necessarily I would uh, keep long term. If somebody like comes over and they're the McCaffrey owners, like, oh, you know, I'll I'll trade you if you're in a in a redraft league and they want to give you, you know, a, a player that's going to produce for you through the end of the season. Fantastic. If it's a dynasty league and you can get, you know, a, a second round pick or or maybe package your second and get a first, go for it. Like I, I don't see Chuba Hubbard as being a player who long-term is is going to be the answer. But if nobody is is paying up for him or or you can't get value for him, he's a great back end of the bench stash because anytime he plays, he's going to give you pretty close to an RB1 week because he's in that McCaffrey role. He's a pass catcher and he can run. Mm-hmm. Hey, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just blown away by that. That's amazing. Uh, no. Let's talk one more running back here and we'll, we'll move on. So uh, Kenny Gainwell uh, lit the world on fire a couple of weeks ago. Um, and everybody thought, you know, Miles Sanders, he's dead. Kenneth Gainwell, he's, he's taking over that role. You know, he's, he's being involved in that offense. And now we've seen that kind of switch back here um, where he's not being nearly as involved uh, for whatever reason. Uh, you know, I, I can't say, but you know, from what we saw early in the season, he's obviously flashed. I know there was some analysts out there that were very high on him uh, come pre-draft time and going into the draft. Uh, so do you feel like he's going to have like a permanent role on this offense? Or if even if it's maybe not with the Eagles here, the, these over his rookie contract, if going somewhere else, uh, how do you see him kind of fitting in and, and producing? So the problem with Gainwell on the Eagles is Jalen Hurts. And I don't mean that Jalen Hurts is a bad quarterback because uh, he's not. Uh, I, there's, there's a big debate raging about whether or not he's a, a good quarterback. And, and I, I think that he is, is a better passer than he has shown. He's obviously a great runner. But for the purpose of Gainwell, Gainwell is a tremendous asset out of the backfield as a pass catcher. The problem with having a running quarterback is... And like a predominantly running quarterback, like a run first quarterback, is that all of the plays that would be checkdowns for less mobile quarterbacks become runs. It's mm-hmm. it's that first that fight or flight instinct is not checked down. It's oh, I can run for fifteen yards, and and you you see that with with Lamar Jackson. I think everybody's going to be so disappointed in Dobbins when he comes back, and they're thinking that he's going to be a top five running back. And he just is – he would have to be incredibly efficient. I can't say he would not be because we're seeing Derrick Henry be a top five running back, and and he shouldn't be able to do that. He's just so good 
and and so much better than anything we've ever seen that he's doing it without the receptions. But but I think that Gainwell is not that. Gainwell is a a pass catcher first. Uh, you know, he had had two thousand all purpose yards at Memphis as a sophomore. Uh, sat out uh, his junior year. Uh, the he opted out with COVID. He actually had. Um, uh, several family members mm-hmm. passed from COVID. So, he, so that was, um, it, it was a weird evaluation. And, and, and I don't even mean that from a film sense. It was just like, how do you, how do you evaluate a, a guy making life choices at 19? Like, mm-hmm. I, and, and so that was, that was real tough, but I, I think that Gainwell is a, a chunk play producer. He's a, a great back in terms of of receiving but i don't know that he's ever going to be what we consider a bell cow i also don't think miles sanders is that miles sanders is more of a, a get outside the tackles and get the ball in space and so they kind of duplicate what each other does and and the eagles don't really have that between the tackles runner aside from hurt so while i love uh, Kenneth Gainwell. Uh, he was he was my my fourth highest film grade, but that factors into account receiving and all of the other things. It's really hard to see him be, uh, you know, up in that that tier where you're. He's a must add to your team. <laughs> you mentioned the name Danny Woodhead earlier, and that's all that kept running through my head here. It's like, oh, maybe that's what you hoped for is Danny Woodhead. <laughs> Exactly. Well, and, and when he went to when he went to Philadelphia, everybody's like Darren Sproles, and I'm like, the guys who coach Darren Sproles are not there anymore. That's sure. the problem. Is mm-hmm. this <laughs> offense is different, and and Jalen Hurts is not the type of player who's going to check down to those running guys. Like he'll he'll make throws down the field, and if those reads aren't there, he's going to run. And and you're loving that for fantasy. I mean, he's a what top six quarterback right now, mm-hmm. or something like that. Like he's he might even be the like, he might even be higher than that. Like he's been fantastic, but not fantastic for Kenny Gainwell. Mm-hmm. Fair. Yep. All right. Let's move on to wide receivers here, and let's just touch briefly on on what was probably the biggest troll uh, of the NFL preseason here, <laughs> with uh, Jamar Chase not being able to catch balls. He suddenly forgot how to do that because he you oh, know no. didn't play for a year essentially, uh, coming in and just lighting the world on fire here. Uh, kind of breaking all sorts of rookie records here through the first <laughs> six weeks of the season. Uh, he has been fantastic, and it's been so fun to watch that uh, uh, happen here. So real deal as advertised. Uh, anything to add with him? No, he's he's awesome. And I feel bad. I've got to own this because while everyone was talking about the sky is falling, I said that if you are risk-averse and you're worried about Jamar Chase, then you should trade him for Keenan Allen or Allen Robinson plus because that was the going rate. Like like Jamar Chase was somewhere around wide receiver like eight before it ever played a snap. And and I said, you know, you could go get those guys if you're worried about this. That was bad advice. Uh, <laughs> Jamar Chase was was worthy of that top eight designation. Mm-hmm. And, and the funny thing is, so I, I've got my top. So since 2015, I've got my top 10 graded wide receivers, and they are CeeDee Lamb, Justin Jefferson, A.J. Brown, Rondell Moore, and Jamar Chase are tied. So, so he's in the top 
five since 2015 of wide receivers that I have watched. That's that's first of all just an amazing subtle humble brag there. We don't talk about Corey Davis. We don't talk about James Washington. Like they're they're there too, but like. But that's great company. I mean, that's incredible company for him to keep there. And so, look, I yeah, if you did it for Allen Robinson, you're probably feeling bad. Hey, mm-hmm. Keenan Allen, I still maintain for like another three years, Keenan Allen's going to be amazing there. But yeah, I mean, long term, then I'm assuming you would have him ranked inside, you know, your top five wide receivers for Dynasty. Is that fair to say? Yeah, but mm-hmm. probably. Yeah, right, right up there. I mean, you okay. you get you've got guys like AJ Brown and and Lamb and Jefferson and and. Chase, I mean, he's got to be up there. DK's got to be mm-hmm. right there. I mean, we've had this has been an amazing run of three draft classes uh, outside of uh, Nikhil Harry uh, and Paris Campbell. We won't talk. He went on the IR again today, season ending so after sad. catching a, after catching a, another time. Like in the in the thirty seconds he's been healthy, he's caught like six touchdowns or four touchdowns and and has been fantastic but every time he touches the ball it's just like oh he's he's on IR again mm-hmm. uh but but aside from like those couple like we've had some really serious classes of wide receivers heck yes yeah heck yes we have I yeah I mean... up for J Mike J Mike I don't know what to do with my hands Ricky Bobby and Jamar Chase probably <laughs> very true Jay he's Mike. figured it out now mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, and then I'll admit uh, the next one I want to just touch on here. Devonta Smith um, drafted in the first round as well. I, I can't say I was as high as everybody else on him uh, coming into the season. Uh, call me call me a sizist, I guess. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I just didn't expect him to produce uh, at the NFL. I know he had all the has all the talent in the world, uh, but he's proven me wrong so far. He's he's shown some good things, especially uh, in that. Eagles offense that that seems to be trying to find its identity yet uh, with with Jalen Hurts there and and whatnot. So, um, yeah, he's looked really good so far. And I guess a lesson for me is, you know, listen to the people that are smarter than me uh, um, when when doing my offseason analysis, because uh, I kind of whiffed on this one. Wow, but that's a lesson to all of us. You, you when when you don't know something, you ask the people who do. Those are the smartest people I know. They're the ones who are willing to admit that they don't know, and they go ask. I mean, that's that's the reason why when when I am am befuddled by analytics, I go talk to Peter Howard or I go talk to Kent Wyrock or you know, and and that's that's one of the one of the things. But yeah, Devontae Smith has been really quietly very good in mm-hmm. Philly. Uh, he's led the team in targets in four or six games. And in three games, he's had over 70 yards receiving in that anemic Eagles offense. Like they, they've not been very good throwing the ball, but he's been very good. Uh, and, and as advertised, it's, it's one of those things. I think people got so caught up in that BMI Twitter. That uh, I, I even did. I did a parody uh, uh, of John Mayer. I did your body is undersized. And <laughs> and but I, I you know, I think that that they just got so caught up in that they forgot that Devonta Smith ate the SEC, which is where all of the NFL players come from. So it's not like he was doing it, you know, against the sisters of the poor school for the blind. Like he was <laughs> he was going up against legit SEC competition 
And and that's one of those things. It's, you know, Smith, his ability to create separation during routes and his knack for rolling up yards after the catch absolutely fits the mold of that new wave of wide receiver. It's that it's that Justin Jefferson, it's that AJ Brown. It's the guys who can play out of the slot, create separation, and then use that separation they've created once they've caught the ball. And he does that. And the best part about Smith right now is he hasn't been producing much after the catch. So things are going to get even better going forward with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, maybe I need to start send off some offers for Devonta <laughs> Smith. This is the thing. When you just look at, you know, the the projections or, or you just look yeah. at what the stats they've racked up so far today, it's not always going to jump off the page, especially for rookies like this. Not everybody's going to be Justin Jefferson from last year <laughs> who comes in and, like, you're seeing it, seeing it in the stat sheet every single week. And that's why I, I love these episodes so much is because this gives me that information. <laughs> Hopefully go take advantage of my league mates after the show. <laughs> yeah, and let's talk one more uh, big name wide receiver here and then we'll um, slide on to the tight ends here. And I, I you've mentioned his name uh, a couple times here and that's Rondale Moore. Uh, he has flashed brilliantly early in the season here. Uh and, and obviously worth whatever draft capital you paid for him because um, he will pan out here. But just speaking specifically with this Cardinals offense and kind of that spread offense that they have, having four wide on the field a lot, uh, do you see him getting more and more involved? Or is there just not, – not, I'm, not, I'm not saying there's too many miles to feed on this offense, but there is a lot of really good players. And is it just the nature of the offense that he's going to have a limited market share? Well, I mean, he's seen 26 targets already in six games as a rookie, as a as a guy that people deemed as a gadget player. I mean, that that like stop it, stop and look at that. And and so my my initial evaluation of Rondell Moore, my open for for my write up was the mosquito is the deadliest animal on the planet. Not sharks, not cobras, not crocodiles, mosquitoes. They're small, but they're nimble driven and perfectly designed for their purpose and Rondell Moore is a mosquito if you underestimate him it's sure to come back to bite you and I think it's going to and even now he's a player that I want to trade for I stand by that assessment this man is a star and fantasy points are coming the Cardinals are finding ways to get him the ball he's a dynamic playmaker he's delivered right now with 12 yards per reception I mean, he had that, obviously he had that 70 yarder, but, but he's also making plays, uh, on short, you know, short throws and, mm-hmm. and, and he's had 18, I mean, he's, he was within 18 combined inches of having three more touchdowns. I don't know if you've watched any of the, the, the games that the Cardinals have played, but he's been forced out of bounds, made a toe drag catch and, you know, stopped right at the goal line three separate times which would give him four touchdowns which would everybody would be if he had four touchdowns and was doing what he was doing everyone would just be wild about him so like he's literally within 18 inches of being talked about in the same breath as as jamar chase Mm -hmm. first of all i need that mosquito analogy (laughs) i say that was damn poetry (laughs) i need it stitched into a throw pillow like tonight (laughs) because that was remarkable and and i love what you said there Again, it's another issue with like the stats not showing up, and so you're not seeing it. With Rondale Moore, I had hopes 
for Elijah Moore in mm. his offense to be, you know, kind of the more like he's going to rack up the targets and he's not going to be nearly as as good as Rondell Moore uh, or as fast or anything like that. Um, but if AJ Green finally just leaves, if we can just get AJ Green out of the way, I think brighter days will be ahead for Rondell for sure. Well, and it's funny because it's been it's been Christian Kirk that has really been the, like I know AJ Green has been great, but like the the some of the targets that that Rondell Moore would would be eating. Christian Kirk has had a couple of games where he's just gone off, and it, and those have been the games that Rondell Moore had you know three targets, and it's like oh okay, well I, I get it, like I like Christian Kirk, but. But Rondell Moore, like, come on. <laughs> You've seen this guy? You got him on your team. Let's use him. <laughs> All before, right, we before we oh. tie in, we got to talk Jalen Waddle. We have to. I, we can, uh, J. Mike was in the chat. We have to talk Jalen Waddle. I have to give him credit. He was on Jalen Waddle before and harder than anybody that I have, had seen. And when Jalen Waddle went to Miami, I wept. I wept. Oh. <laughs> he was he was my I was on the fence with him. He was my my seventh pre-draft wide receiver. And he was the last one before this really big tear break, but he landed in absolutely perfect spot. And and Jamar Chase did the same thing where where he went to a team where his college quarterback, a guy that he had a connection with, was already there and was exactly what Tua needed. I can say Tua Ningamana Olapola Tongo Vailoa, can you? Um, <laughs> yeah, well nice. done. But but he was exactly what Tua needed because he's a quick threat that played the slot. They already had Devontae Parker out on the outside. They have the shell of Preston Williams coming back who plays on the outside, but they didn't have anybody on the inside who could get open quick enough to give Tua, you know, some breathing room because every now and then you've got to get the ball out quick. You've got to keep the defense on their toes. You that's how you beat a, a a blitz because by definition a blitz is sending more guys than you have blocking, which means that somebody is open, but they're only open for a second. And, and you saw this last week when Tua came back, and, and I tweeted this out before the game, and I said, "Oh, it's so nice to see Tua back, Jalen Waddle owners." <laughs> and and then he had two touchdowns and he had 10 targets. And that's exactly what you're going to see because he's good at that role. And it's exactly what, what they need. He has 165 yards after the catch out of his 301. So over half of his yards have come after the catch because he's running those short routes, creating huge amounts of space. Mm -hmm. Two is getting the ball out quick. And I mean, that's a guy that, if he hadn't had the great week this past week, you could have got for a song, and you still might because there are going to be people who don't believe that you. People have been saying two is not any good, so people have that in the back of their head. He is good. He's good. He's not. A, he's not great, but two is two is good enough to get you where you need to be. And and Jalen Waddle is going to continue to benefit from Tua. Jalen Waddle, you hear? You hear? Uh, or Albert Wilson? You hear that? That's what you could have been in this office, by the way. Bird alert. <laughs> My lord. <laughs> All right. And then we'll just touch on a couple of the tight ends here, just because 
we should go over every position and let's let's be honest. Uh, the true number one wide receiver is classified as a tight end, Kyle Pitts. Uh, I kid. Uh, you know, it was nice to see him finally come around here a couple weeks ago before the bye. I know that kind of seemed like a function of injuries with the rest of the wide receiving core, but it was good to see him finally get involved in in you know what we've expected from the uh get go here um and i think it's only good things to come it's just a taste of what we can expect moving forward with him uh any concerns with with pits no no, no i didn't think so good. I, I mean it was one of those where the 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 cost of acquiring him in dynasty leagues was insane still insane he's a tight he's a tight end He's probably not Travis Kelsey, even though I know he's got the greatest profile since uh, Zeus. Like he's, it's, it's just, <laughs> and I don't mean like Travis Kelsey Zeus. I mean like the act like like twelve BC Zeus. <laughs> right. um, but like he's he's very good. He's going to be a good tight end. If you drafted him in your rookie draft, you can trade him and make just unbelievable. You know. You can you can acquire everybody for for pits. I've seen people turn down before CMC got hurt, turn down uh, pits for CMC. Like they wouldn't give up CMC to get wow. pits. Like like the wow. run. Yeah, like this is where we're at in dynasty. Woo. Like I like Kyle Pitts is probably next year a top twelve, maybe just outside dynasty pick. Even in even in superflex, like he's right there. Because he's because he's a a twenty year old tight end who has the profile that that everybody dreams about. The problem and the thing that nobody talks about is so did Noah Fant, so did Evan Ingram, like so did Eric Ebron. Like th- he's good, he's mm-hmm. fantastic. But we're we're doing that thing where we get so carried away about players. Like we want them to be everything that that we hope he might be. And I'm not saying he won't be like he's awesome, and especially like if you look at his targets, he, he's been great. He's had uh, over six targets in every game but one. So, you know, shabby. roll with him. He's good. Like I don't want to. I don't want to come across as a pitch hater, but you also have to look at value when you're playing this game because there's a balance. There's a scale, and so you've got points, fantasy points, which are nice to have. But there's also value, and value can potentially get you more fantasy points. Mm-hmm. Definitely. By the way, we are going to market this episode as the Zach hates Kyle Pitts episode. <laughs> Just so that you know, get ahead of that. Can we? Can we? Like, <laughs> there it is. Got the sound. I'm going to need right another there. throw pillow. <laughs> All right, and let's touch on just one more tight end here. Uh, that's Tommy Tremble. Uh, Someone that I, again, I finally listened to some people and and was turned on <laughs> to him here uh, prior to some rookie drafts and was able to snag him in a couple places. Uh, but he has flashed. Uh, I, I don't see him as being, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, he's probably not going to be that, you know, high-end tight end one. But I think he could be a very serviceable tight end here uh, for many years to come. Uh, Ian Thomas has not been the answer that we had all hoped for there in Carolina. Uh and then I know Ian Thomas was out. We've we've seen him be able to step in and produce as a rookie, which I know is extremely difficult for for tight end rookies to do. Uh, so, what are your thoughts about Tommy there? So I think I think anytime you're uh, shooting shots at rookie tight ends, it's you're hoping 
And and that's I mean that's kind of how I have played. But the thing I will say is Tremble is not necessarily the profile that I go after. And that's not to say that he won't be good. But when I'm shooting shots at tight ends in the later rounds in rookie drafts, it is athletic profile. And I wish that – so uh, Kyle Lebrecht used to record with me on the Dynasty Dummies. And he used to be where I got my numbers from. He did the dummy cheat sheet. And what he discovered was he, he put together this uh, matrix that spit out a, an athleticism metric. And that produced – George Kittle as as the number one tight end in it was what 2016 or 2017. Mm. Nobody was talking about George Kittle. Nobody, like just nobody. So I'm like, all right. So I drafted Kittle, like whatever. And then the next year it was like Mark Andrews, and I'm like, nobody is talking about Mark Andrews. We like, okay, fine. We'll draft Mark. So all of a sudden, like you start looking at what actually produces at tight end and you're, you're probably not going to see a guy produce. I mean, like Tremble has, has been fine. He's been very good for a rookie, especially for a rookie because tight ends don't come in and produce as rookies. I mean, you, you think about the position, you're an offensive lineman and a wide receiver mm-hmm. at the same time. So you've got to learn all of the blocking schemes, all of the run plays to block for, and then you have to learn all of your routes and make that connection with the quarterback. So that's insanely tough. And he's been he's been very good. But if he if he ends up hitting, that's going to be a good. I'll tip my cap to you. That's that's good on you. That's a that's a uh, kind of an aberration from that that profile of here's the athlete. We'll teach him how to play tight end. Um, you know, so, so outside of like the, the Kyle Pitts profile, like I'm taking upside swing on it. Swings on athletes. Tommy Tremble is no Kahale warring. Let's say, (laughs) I mean, he's never going to get there. Clearly, uh, pour one out for my guy. (laughs) Hey, he could still catch on somewhere. You just never know. Yeah. All right. Um, that was kind of the ones that I we had ha- highlighted here. Is there anyone, Zach, that you want to talk about here that we haven't touched on? Maybe some some deeper sleepers here that uh, maybe not so much for redraft this year, but maybe for dynasty purposes that that you think would be worth um, sticking on the end of your bench and and taking a chance on. I, I mean, you talking tight ends or just everywhere? Oh, everywhere. Okay. So like, I mean, we pretty much hit, we pretty much hit on it. Like. Everybody except for Rashad Bateman worth talking about. Like we 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 skipped Rashad Bateman because he's been hurt. He's back this week or last week, and like he, I think, is going to be very good. He was an interesting watch because you had a lot of people. And I'll give you another throw pillow, Jake. I've I've got another <laughs> open. So Bateman was hard to watch because he didn't do anything spectacularly. So at first glance. The Mona Lisa is a smirking woman in a drab dress seated in front of a winding smudge of a road. If you're not looking carefully, you probably miss the subtle genius of Da Vinci. Rashad Bateman film has a similar quality. You can watch a 16-catch, 177-yard performance and come away underwhelmed. And I think that's Bateman. Like, you watch Bateman, you're like, he doesn't do anything. But he's open. 
and he catches the ball. Like, mm-hmm. like there's nothing flashy. It's not like Devontae Smith where, you know, like he's got that real quick and then and then we'll make a play over defender. It's it's not like Jamar Chase where, you know, he's beating a guy, you know, 15 yards downfield on a on a you know fly route. It's it's not like Rondell Moore where he's just like this little dynamo, like bing, 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 when all of a sudden he's bounced off three defenders and is gone. Bateman doesn't do any of that, but he does all of that. Like, like he doesn't do anything flashy, but he he does go downfield. He does catch balls over the middle, you know, in those those quote unquote dirty areas. He can play in the slot. Like he's done it all, but it just doesn't look pretty. It's not flashy. It's it's not somebody. Yeah, that's exactly it, Jim. He's a, he's a lunch pail wide receiver. That's exactly it. <laughs> he's 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 never going to be a player it's it's the kind of the larry fitzgerald where where larry fitzgerald never did anything spectacular but he never dropped a ball and he always he always made plays and and always drove a ton of of you know targets and and i think that's what bateman will do the only worry about bateman is that offense doesn't throw a ton won't matter if he's the wide receiver one. He's going to drive enough targets to to be viable, and I think he will. I think that you'll see a lot of sad, sad Hollywood Brown uh, <laughs> dynasty managers and, and and a lot of very happy people who drafted Rashad Bateman in, at the end of the first round. Yeah, so basically what I got out of that is Bateman is the next Larry Fitzgerald. He could be. Yeah. He's, he's, go, go, go talk to the go talk to the analytics. Analytics loved Bateman. They were just like, and I was like, I'm with you. I like, I like Bateman. A lot of film guys are like, you know, he came out of Minnesota. We've been mm-hmm. hurt before. Mm-hmm, Everyone sure. loved Tyler Johnson and mm-hmm. Tyler Johnson. I still love him. I'm a Patriots <laughs> fan. I have never been as disappointed. Well, no, that's not true. Twice, two incredible disappointments. The first one was when Justin Jefferson went to Minnesota and Belichick immediately went, hell with the first round, I'm trading out because he was (laughs) going to take Justin Jefferson. And I was crushed. And then Tyler Johnson still on the board. I'm like, they've got to take him. He's perfect for what they do. He can come. No. And then the Bucs take him. And then Tom Brady goes to the Bucs. And then Tom Brady throws a ton to Tyler Johnson last year. I was just like, it's rough stuff. It's rough stuff no. in the streets when you put your your heart and soul into that rookie draft and you just hope that your team makes the right moves. Dustin mm-hmm. and I know a little something about that the last couple of years, don't we, Dustin? Just a little All you need is love. All you need is love. <laughs> uh, it's still too soon. I'm sorry. <laughs> can't even joke about it yet, Zach. We're not ready. All right. Uh, anyone else here before we uh, kind of close out the show here? I think I mean that's pretty much what I got. If you okay. want to run through Elijah Moore, I'm I'm set. You mentioned Elijah Moore earlier. Like, yeah, all I'm I want to know really with Elijah Moore here, and, and help me get some solace, quick Zach, or, or don't, or what, or step <laughs> on my heart. Either way, but you know, my hope was that as Zach Wilson grows into his role and maybe learns to back off of some of the gunslinger attitude that you you announced, and maybe just take the the shorter open guy, which can be Elijah Moore, is there room for them to grow together? That's what I want to know. The, the problem is Wilson doesn't throw guys open. He doesn't like that that thing that Elijah Moore did in college where like he would catch the ball and then all of a sudden you'd see him run for 30 more yards. 
that's not Wilson's game. I'm just I'm really really worried because he is a a good player. He's not a great player, but he's a good player. But he's he's on the Jets. I mean, you so, here, so here's the good the good news for you. So this past year you had to spend a first round rookie pick to acquire him. Post putrefaction uh after this season headed into 2022, you're going to be able to get him much more reasonably. And I do think he's a good player. Fair. Fair enough. So really, I it sounds like I have to wait out Zach Wilson at this point to get my well, wish for Elijah not, Moore potentially. Not, not even Zach Wilson. I think you're waiting out Jamison Crowder at this point. Like that. Mm-hmm. That's that's the role. So so that will be the Elijah Moore role. And and again, the the Jets are so bad this year, and Wilson is so bad this year that it's almost better for you as somebody who likes Elijah Moore that this is happening. If you didn't draft him, if if somebody else took him before you. I think he will be a player that you can acquire who who could be that what do they call it? The post hype sleeper. We're very sure. trendy. I can't <laughs> hashtag <laughs> post hype sleeper. <laughs> but yeah, like I, I think that's the thing. I, I think that that for redraft, I think it's it's ultimate sadness this year. If you were expecting a Justin Jefferson, no, you're not gonna get that. But at least the Jets are bad enough, you're gonna get a discount next year. So I should mm-hmm. stop feeling smug about getting him in the early second of a couple of my dynasty no, er, leagues. Early Earned second. It, got it. Locked it. <laughs> early second. I'm, take that and run. Any, I'm second, so smug. It. Like, People, look at these dummies letting him drop to the early second. <laughs> People think that second round picks are gold in dynasty. And I almost never have a second round pick. When we go into, uh, into a draft, I almost never have a second round pick. But if a player falls that I want to go get, a la Rondell Moore this year, a la Justin Jefferson last year, a la Brian Edwards last year, if somebody falls, I'll say, hey, I'll give you my third, and I'll give you next year's second. And everyone goes, I get a third and a second? That's way better than a second. It's sure. really not. It's not, because the third doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. That second doesn't matter. What matters is that player you're getting with the second. What matters is that Justin Jefferson. What matters is that Rondell Moore. What matters is that Brian Edwards. What ro- matters is that is that Elijah Moore. So we get so caught up in, in picks. To me, anything beyond the first round, I can buy that on credit next year. That's fine. I don't mind doing that. I don't need to have that pick going into the draft to make that pick if if a player that I like falls. I love that. Mm-hmm. Great nugget. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's move on here uh, and, and kind of close out the show here. So we'll do our starts of the week. Uh, Jake, do you want to give us yours first here? Uh, I'd love to. I've been excited to talk about this start of the week since last week when I forgot that Matt Ryan was on bye because uh, I for some <laughs> reason thought he was playing Miami last week. But good news for me is that he's playing them this week. And uh, I, I don't want to belabor this too much, but he has been quietly putting up a lot of yards on a lot of pass attempts. He's fourth in the league right now in pass attempts. He's been the QB 10 over the previous three weeks that he actually played. He lit up the Jets the last time that he played them there without Ridley, without Russell Gage. Miami's defense, it's just its just not good. Uh, he's a set it and forget it for me this week. Mm-hmm. Zach, do you have a, a start of the week? 
So my uh, start of the week, we we discussed the Bears earlier. We discussed Darnell Mooney. That that is my guy this week. It is Darnell Mooney against the Buccaneers. Uh, he's seen a a bunch of targets, an increase in targets lately. That offense is starting to open up a little bit, and it's it's a sneak. I didn't want to be obvious. I don't I don't want to you know give you somebody that everybody's playing because this is. We talked about this is the bye week from hell. This is, you know, everybody and their brother is on bye this week. You know, you, you don't have CD Lamb going, so so roll you some Darnell Mooney. Love it so much. Yeah, and uh, I'm I'm actually going on the other side of, of the uh, ball there from Darnell, and I'm saying Allen Robinson. Uh, that that was my pick. Um, after yeah. seeing him involved this last week uh, against the Packers, he's finally. Uh, seems like he's getting more and more involved in that offense. And I don't know if him and Justin Fields are finally eating breakfast together or, or what's happening. Uh, or maybe like you said, uh, Zach, with um, the change in the offensive play calling here, Nagy kind of stepping out of the way of the offense. The laser show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that, um, you know, and Al Robinson's just too good to be kept down for, for too long. So I expect, you know, after, like I said, seeing what we were seeing last week, being a little bit more involved in making some plays that I kind of see that trend continuing. And yeah, against uh, this Tampa Bay defense, they're going to have to be throwing the ball all day long. So uh, there's no reason why he should be seeing double digit targets. So it sounds like basically fire up the pass catchers for the Bears uh, because you're going to have to completely ignore the backfield unless you're absolutely desperate there. So uh, I like the, the sounds mm-hmm. of that. Okay. And then, Jake, we have our our weekly beer bet here. Let's do it. Let let let's do it. Have you have you decided where you want to go? With I this think one? so. I know this I brought it up before true. we started recording here, and I don't have a better one because, like we said, it's such a gross week of football here with all the uh, <laughs> uh, big big uh, high quality teams here on by this week. So I'm going to pit your start of the week, Matt Ryan versus Tua, head to head fantasy yeah. points. Yeah, and I'll how even crazy let you, would it be? I'll how crazy you, would it be if I took two? I'll, I'll let you. After just hyping up, uh, Matt I'll Ryan. let you choose which one you want. I'm not going to take two. I will yeah. absolutely <laughs> take Matt Ryan. I think they're both, for what it's worth, I think they're both excellent plays this week because it's going to be a slot fest. Both defenses are going to be pretty rough there, and both quarterbacks and the pass catchers are good enough to keep this interesting. But I will take Matt Ryan here. So Matty Ice, it is. All right. Well, yeah. uh, any any last thoughts here? gentlemen before we uh, sign off i and, just want to thank zach oh no thank you god sir <laughs> <laughs> as an impartial observer of your your beer bet i hope you both win because in in a league where i desperately need a win i'm starting both Tua and Matt Ryan. <laughs> I honestly do not hate that for you at all this week. I, so, yes. I have no other choices. <laughs> yep. yeah. The nitty gritty of week seven. This is what yep. we signed up for, folks. Fantasy football in week seven. <laughs> this is what it looks like. Ooh. Brutal. Yep. Yeah. So as we said, we've got seven teams on by this week. So just make sure that as you're setting your lineups this week, don't have them in your lineup. You will score zero points uh, and make sure you're uh, checking your waiver wire, uh, especially with these all these bye weeks. You never know um, who someone in your uh, league is going to be dropping out of desperation to get that win this week. So snag up those players if you can. Uh, just keep an eye on that. Uh, Zach, before we sign off, why don't you tell folks where they can find you, what you do, all that good stuff. 
I am at Tacit Assassin 13 on Twitter. Uh, I occasionally record a podcast, although this is the first podcast I've done in five weeks. Like, Ooh, I was wow. really excited. I was like, I'm going to be rusty. I'm going to, you know, it, it's, we, I, we just been, I did a, I did a, like a whole series of like five different edge finder podcasts on, on the dynasty dummies show. And then all of a sudden I was like, you know what? I found all the edges. That's it. I'm done. Like I'm, I'm tapped out. Like all of, I had all these brilliant people on and then I'm like, well, nobody wants to listen to just me. And so I, I've been, I've been watching, watching football, but yeah, the, the dynasty dummies podcast, the DFPN at work, the only at work in town, uh, got a whole bunch of, of really great guys over there. And, uh, and, and that's what we do. We're just uh, kind of hanging around the fantasy football family. I love it. And this man, by the way, if you're not following him on Twitter, you absolutely must. If you get the chance to even I know that you have a thread of these and I don't know if it's your pin tweet or not of your amazing parodies that you put out. You have to go seek these out. The, the quantity and quality are both incredible. I'll I'll tell you anybody watching if you DM me if you're interested I will uh, add you to I have a Google Drive I have like 160 or Ooh, so of wow. these well because I was doing one a week for the show and I, like we're old like my, like when when I started doing the Dynasty Dummies it was like DLF uh, nerds um, under the helmet and there was like one other show in terms of dynasty so we were like we were it so we've been doing this for like i don't know six or seven years now so that's a lot of parody songs mm-hmm. one a week <laughs> yeah that really is i love when you bust them out uh of course anytime the the players get relevant i always hope to see one pop up there. It's like i don't care if that thing's from six years ago i want to hear it mm-hmm. now so definitely check those out on twitter folks. Mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and jake where can folks find you they can find me at Jake Trowbridge because that's my name and I'm not creative with that part of it. <laughs> all right. You can find our show at Drinking Fantasy. We're here for all of your fantasy needs. Just shoot us a DM. We will answer for you. And you can find me at FF Dusty Dog. And until next week, folks, keep drinking and talking fantasy football. Cheers, FFers. Shut, shut, shut.